Hey Westside family, my name is Eric Johnson and I serve on the production team. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We hope you are blessed by what God has been speaking to us through our pastors and leaders, and we pray this leads you into an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. Love you guys and enjoy. Jump into the word today. <clears throat> I got, I got this word on, on my mind. Uh, uh, yeah, let's just get into this. This is called Enduring Faith. Next week is our family Sunday. Every fifth Sunday, uh, you know, when we have a, a fifth Sunday in the year, is our family Sunday. That's when our kids uh, uh, stay in church with us. So Lorana is taking care of the service next week. She does a better job than me of making things more family-friendly. And... Uh, so this, this message is going to be split, split into two. Uh, today we're going to be talking about enduring faith. Uh, and, and week after next, two weeks from today, I'll be talking to you about uh, a new dimension of faith. And you'll see exactly what I'm talking about toward the end of this message or in the middle of this message uh, when I say uh, a new dimension of, of faith. So you guys ready to get started? There are times in our relationship with God that, you know, we have moments, very distinct, special uh, moments. They can be uh, personal awakenings, personal revivals. Uh, it's these, these moments to where we are inspired and we're just motivated to, to, to just say, okay, God, send me, or okay, God, call me. And oftentimes these moments with God... Uh, leads us to a, a step of faith. You know, these moments of God can, can happen in a gathering like such. These moments of God can happen, uh, you know, when you're just in your own personal prayer time. They, they can happen in a conversation uh, with somebody. Uh, they can happen in a sacred environment. They can happen in an unsacred environment. I can't tell you of all the places that I've had uh, encounters, encounters with God uh, as, as, as you know, I, I started doing a lot of running and praying at the same time. And I have to say, there's been moments uh, in my runs that I was praying and I was connecting with God. And I just, I, 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 I felt him. I experienced him. I, I, I heard him. My point is, you can have these moments with God in these moments anywhere at any time. And oftentimes they lead to a major step of faith. And these steps of faith create change. Uh, they create zeal, excitement. Uh, they can get you uh, being a part of a family of faith. They can get you uh, starting a ministry. They can get you reaching out to people that the Lord lays on your heart. But there is always a common occurrence with any and everybody that has these inspirations or these motivations from God and takes a step of faith. I've never, ever, ever met anyone, and I've been in this a long time now, that can tell me they have not experienced this. And the common ground with this is a challenge against our faith. Not faith in general, but a challenge, a obstacle, a struggle to continue the faith that was started from an experience with God. Am I making sense this morning? It's common. And depending on you and the scenario at hand can determine uh, when that happens or when that doesn't happen. It can happen quick. I've had moments where I've had experience of God, an experience with God, and the next the, the next morning after I woke up, uh, there was a opposition against the faith that was developed the night before. I've had moments to where I've experienced God, and the outcome was a step of faith, and I really didn't have a strong struggle, other than my just typical, uh, uh, you know, typical struggles that I, that I go through, I didn't have really a, an opposition to maybe a few months down the road. There's really no rhyme or reason to when it happens, but what you can bank on, what you can guarantee is the enemy at some point or another is going to challenge your faith. It's going to challenge this new development 
this new dimension, this new leveling up of faith that is an outcome of your time, your time with God. And it's imperative. Can you say imperative? It is absolutely imperative to know that this is going to happen and to prepare your heart and to prepare your mind for the occurrence. Like when you run a marathon, a marathon is 26.2 miles long. When you run a marathon, there is a very common occurrence that happens around the 20-mile mark, give or take. And the common occurrence is, is an occurrence that is called the wall. At about 20 miles, you hit a wall. And it's when your body has been absolutely depleted. You are usually in a calorie deficit. And there is an absolute struggle to carry on the remainder of that race or that run. And people who are savvy to this, marathoners and runners who who have experienced it or who know of it, prepare themselves for it because you can prepare yourself to handle it a little bit better than if you was not to be prepared. There's mental preparation that goes into it. There is calorie preparation that goes into it. There is a focal preparation that goes into it so that you can continue the race or finish the 26.2 mile run. And it really is the same way. Whenever God is leveling you up, it's not only important to revel in and to enjoy and to really grow in this experience, but it's also so important to plan and to prepare for the work that is going to test your faith. Are you breathing this morning? Don't make me work too hard today. Give me, give, give me some amens or some oh me's or some right ons or some mm, ouch, that hurt, preacher. Or some good jobs, some good old boys. We're Western. Give me some, give me some, uh, yeehaw! Suey! Yeah, that's what, that's what, that's what, when, how I was raised, it wasn't a pig, it was cows. My granddad would call the cows uh, to the feeding trough. Suey! What'd you say, Doss? Yeah, there. Give me some sueys. Give me some hoorahs. Don't make me work too hard, because I'm going to be working till about eight or nine tonight. So anyway, let's jump inside of Matthew chapter 14, verse 29 through through 33. This is when Peter had this leveling up of faith. And he almost immediately began to experience uh, an opposition against this newfound uh, faith. Verse 29 reads this, so he said, come. Now, this is Jesus saying to Peter, come. That's the kind of the fourth story. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. And said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. There's three distinct things I want to pull from here. The first one is... When it reads, but when he saw that the wind was boisterous. Look at someone and say, what you see is important. I'm not finished. But what you look at is more important. Mm. Thank you, Melissa. What you see is important. 
but what you view is more important. So Peter saw two things. There's actually a lot more you can dive into about what he saw, but two distinct things, two distinct things for the context we're talking in today. Number one, he saw and was allowed into the workings of another dimension. The changing of natural matter by Jesus, the Son of God. Let's wrap our brain around this for a minute. We have a boat in the sea. There was wind blowing, waves occurring. Here Jesus comes walking toward them. Jesus is walking on water. When Jesus was walking on water, remember Jesus always comes in four different types. When Jesus came to them walking on water, he didn't come as a king, as a man, as a servant, but he came as the Son of God. Because as the Son of God, Jesus had the power to manipulate the natural world. So you remember the first storm story. The storm was raging. The guys in the boat thought they were going to die, and Jesus just rose up from his sleep and said, Peace be still, and the storm subsided to the authority of his voice. He was speaking as the Son of God. So when he came, he was walking toward the boat. He was walking to them as the Son of God. Peter said, if that's you, call me out. Jesus, the Son of God, said, come. When Jesus, the, when Jesus told Peter, come, what actually happened is, is a dimension opened for Peter. A dimension into the dimension of the supernatural. Shut up. That thing will do that, and I don't know why it does that. Anyway, he was allowed, he was given an opportunity, he was given an invitation to step outside of the human realm. It's not human to walk on water, right? It was not human. There was a dimension that had been opened that all the disciples in the boat saw, but only one of the disciples was allowed to get inside of. So Peter was allowed to go from the earthly dimension into the a heavenly dimension. And he stepped out of the boat and he began to walk on water. We have to realize the thing that he was seeing was the workings, the processes, the power, the authority of a godly dimension. And this is what he saw. This is what he experienced. Imagine the wind blowing and the waves rising and crashing. Most likely, well, not most likely, it was a short period wind swell. It was not a long distance wind swell because this was not one, not one of the oceans. It was a sea. In local waters, you have what they call local wind swells. And whenever there is a local wind swell, what happens is a large amount of wind and a relatively short space creates all these waves. And you got waves just coming up and crashing everywhere. And it's very disastrous. It's very chaotic. It's not like you can look out to the, to, in, into, into the water, into the sea, and say, okay, that is a set of waves coming at this time. Four waves is going to come. There's going to be a break. When you are in a local windstorm or a local windswell, you got waves coming from the north, the south, the east, the west. You got small waves. You got large waves. So imagine Jesus in the midst of all these waves. The wind was going crazy. The waves was up and down, up and down, creating havoc. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, come. Peter stepped out of the earthly dimension into a divine, godly dimension and was experiencing this, this matter, experiencing this power and this authority. And he was seeing it and he was witnessing it. And all of a sudden, a level of faith, he experienced a level of faith. That truly changed everything for him, which we'll get to next week or the week after. But there's another thing that he saw. He not only saw that dimension, but he was still very much so carnal and flesh. 
And the Bible says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And that alludes to the fact that we can be spiritual and we can be in a dimension with God, but at the same time, we can have weaknesses and we can have struggles and we can have oppositions. And yes, we can even have failures. And even though Peter was invited into this dimension that no other person that we know of has ever entered into, he was still having to deal with his own personal sight, his own personal faults, his own personal worries, and his own personal issues. And oftentimes, when we level up in faith, and that faith is opposed, oftentimes the opposition is something that is already about us. It's not anew. It's A current issue, a current struggle, a current fear, a current point of control, a current demonic entity. And the second thing that Peter saw had to do with the thing that has controlled his life ever since he became a fisherman. He saw the thing that had the power to change everything. And he saw a boisterous wind. The wind in his life affected his career because if it was too windy, he wouldn't be going fishing. If the wind didn't blow in the right direction, the fish wouldn't bite. If you know anything about fishing, There is a good wind and there is a bad wind. A certain wind can cause fish to bite. A different other kind of wind can cause fish to go to the bottom and not bite. So that wind affected his career. That wind had the potential of threatening his life. If they was in the middle of the sea and a squall came, there was the possibility of them capsizing and their life being threatened. The wind can make him miserable. Have you ever been in a storm on a windy day? It makes you absolutely miserable. Back in the day, one of my, one of my jobs was a, was a ranch hand, and I was a winter ranch hand, and I, I had to take care of uh, uh, horses uh, when it was in Missouri, when it was below zero. And it was one thing To be working in that environment without the wind, it was another thing to be working in that environment with the wind. And so there was times it would be zero degrees, five degrees, but then all of a sudden the wind would pick up and the windshield or the wind wind factor would drop to a minus 15, a minus 16, a minus 20. And you're talking about miserable absolutely miserable. And no matter what you wear, no matter what you put on, no matter the amount of, of layers that you had, it, and, and Missouri is a, is a very humid code, so that wind would push that, hum, that, that humid code through every single layer that you had on your body, and you would be absolutely miserable. And I guarantee you there were times when he was fishing, and it rained, and then after a rain, the wind blew and made him miserable. The wind revealed his true faith. You remember the story of the first storm. These mighty followers of Christ thought they were going to die, and Jesus woke up and was like, why do you have such small faith? So the wind, in all reality, was something in Peter's life that had a history of controlling him. Oftentimes, when God levels us up in faith, the one thing we fight is the one thing that we have always fought. The one struggle, maybe the two struggles, or maybe a dozen struggles, who knows? But oftentimes, when God levels us up, There is something in our life that always tries to level us out. 
And what it requires is an effort of perseverance, an effort of endurance, and a focus on what we look at. He couldn't help what he saw, but he could determine what he viewed. Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes in life, you can help what you see. You can't help what you see. But you can definitely change what you look at. Thank you. I'm going to say it again. Sometimes in life, you can't help what you see, but you can definitely change what you look at. Peter saw the new dimension. He also saw the thing that has always controlled him. But the thing was, he had the choice, the choice to view what he should or should not view. It was in his hands. He could have just maintained a focal observation on the new dimension. Jesus in a different light. Jesus as the Son of God. Controlling and manipulating the matters of creation. But he didn't. What he viewed, what he looked at, what he considered, what he concentrated on, what he did not get out of his head was the one thing that always controlled him. The wind. Didn't say the water. The Bible didn't say the boat. The water, the Bible didn't say the other disciples. The Bible says he saw the, not a, the singular boisterous wind, the thing that has ripped him apart, the thing that has controlled him, the thing that has haunted him, the thing that has stopped him, the thing that has initiated fear in his life, the thing that has always been bigger than he was, was the thing that he chose to look at instead of looking at the master of the thing itself. What we view can be the difference between strength and weakness. David, David, in the story of David and Bathsheba, couldn't help what he initially saw. He walked to his window, looked inside the courtyard, and behold, a beautiful naked woman. It wasn't his fault that he walked up to the window. But it was his fault that he kept looking. Husbands, it may not be your fault to see a pretty woman walk in front of you, but it is your fault to keep looking at that pretty woman. Wives, it may not be your fault to see a stud of a man walk past you over at the grocery store, but it is absolutely your fault to keep looking at that stud of a man. It may not be your fault to have a common conversation in the workplace, but it is definitely your fault for that conversation to turn into a flirt and that flirt to turn into a conver- to, to an intimate conversation, that intimate conversation turn into a fair. Ain't nobody's fault but your own. Oh, you're breathing this morning. I don't know why I said that. That just kind of came to the forefront. Maybe I did. Jesus being tempted with a rock and bread. Jesus was in the wilderness uh, uh, fasting for 40 days. There's rocks everywhere. And then Satan came to him. He said, if, if you're really the son of God, why don't you take that rock and turn it into bread? Now, right before then, the Bible says that Jesus was hungry. 
and he was weak. Jesus had, had, had a choice. Was I going to view these rocks as beautiful loaves of bread made into a wood fire oven? No. Was I going to look at them and see as they are, they're rocks and they cannot do me any good? See, what Jesus saw and what Jesus viewed was two different things. He saw rocks. Satan tried to get him to view the rocks as bread and turn them into bread. But yet that was not the will of God for his life. The will, for God, the will of God for his life at that moment in that time was him to fast. And he was fasting 40 days. You, you, you see what I'm trying to say? There's going to be times when the enemy is going to put something in front of your eyes, but what you look at is on you. And it can mean the difference in life or death, cursing or blessing, strength or weakness. Peter chose to look at the wind as opposed to the master of the wind. The Bible says that he was afraid and began to sink. He was afraid because of what he was viewing and how this related to his past. The fear here is associated with doubt. Please, please get this. His doubt began to change his environment. His doubt began to change the dimension in which he was allowed to enter into. And this really shows us the power of doubt. See, in the beginning of this scenario, he, had, he was full of faith. Jesus, if that's you, call me out because I know you can cause me to walk on water. I'm paraphrasing. I mean, I'm just throwing that in there, right? And he walked on water. But then he got his eyes off Jesus and he got his eyes off the thing. Doubt entered via fear. And the environment and the dimension begin to change. Did Jesus in the story change? No. Jesus was still in control. Jesus was still walking on water. Jesus was still there with Peter. Jesus' will for Peter did not change, and Jesus' opportunity that was extended to Peter did not change. But the dimension, the environment, the power and the process that allowed Peter to go into the place he was in began to change. All because he looked at the wrong thing, fear entered into his heart, and he didn't change Jesus, but he, in, he began to change the environment that allowed him to connect to Jesus the way Jesus wanted to connect with him. Oh, let me just tell you this. There is ways that God wants to connect with you, but because of maybe your doubt and your fear, you are not allowing God access to you. How did the environment change? How did the dimension change? The Bible says that Peter began to sink. He didn't just fall in the water. He didn't just go. Whoop. No. The Bible says he began. A process was started for him to exit this divine dimension and enter back into the dimension that he was used to being into, where he was controlled by the wind. Think of it this way. As he was sinking, he was leaving the place 
that God brought him into. Imagine him sinking little by little. And his sinking was his exiting this beautiful, divine, godly dimension. His sinking was the byproduct of him doubting. He wasn't leaving this dimension for no other reason except his doubt. Had nothing to do with sin. Had nothing to do with unrighteousness. Had nothing to do with, with, with religion. It had nothing to do with his past. It had nothing, 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 nothing except doubt. It was his doubt that was initiated by fear. His fear was developed by looking to the thing that has always controlled him. And it caused him to leave the place that God said, come into. I got something special to share with you. I got something powerful to show you. I got something to give you. I got a faith to deposit into you. Come in. Come into my dimension. Come into my realm. Come into my place. Come experience me as the Son of God. Jesus brought him in. Jesus wants to bring us in to a dimension of our own. Not Peter's dimension. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that God wants you to walk on water. Who am I to say you wouldn't or you can't? But who am I to say that's where God wants you to be also? I don't have time to get into this. But, but the water, the wind, and the waves was Peter's domain. And God, God, and, 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 and God wanted to bring him. God, oh, I, I'm seeing it. I'm, I'm seeing it. I'm hearing it. I'm, I'm having a hard time art, 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 articulating it. There was a divine dimension inside of Peter's natural domain. There is a divine dimension inside of every one of our natural domains. And nobody can access it but you and I. There is a way that God speaks to me and it's based off how I hear. There is a way God shows me things and it's based off of how I see. There is a way that God connects to me and it's based off what I know and what I understand and my beauty with God and my intimacy with God and my connection with God. And if I can leave doubt behind me, there is a dimension within my own personal world where I could connect with God on a level that I've never connected with God and it would be a divine son of God experience in this same way with you inside of your world, inside of your life, inside of your mind, inside of your circumstances, inside of who you are as a person who is made in the image and likeness of God. There is a divine element that God wants to bring you into and he wants to speak to you and he wants to connect with you and he wants to level you up and he wants to do, he wants to have this intimacy and this connection with you in this place. But it requires that you let go of the thing or things that has controlled you, affected you, overcame you. And it's time that you simply focus on the master of all those things and not the things itself. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Have we been doing the same thing Peter did? Every time God tries to level us up, do we start looking at past fears and past points of failure and past points of control? Have we allowed doubt, doubt to set in? Have or are 
we leaving the place that Jesus said come to? A deeper level? Another dimension, a calling, a change? I believe so or I wouldn't be preaching this today. I believe some of you have done exactly what Peter has, or what Peter did. I've been there. I've done that, and I bought the T-shirt. I'm not there right now. Thank God I'm not, right, I'm not there right now. I've had my ups and downs in, 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 on my journey of faith in my ministry. Ministry has been very, very hard for me. If you don't know me, I'm an absolute introvert. I am not an extrovert. And me doing all the stuff that God has called me into ministry has been one battle, one battle, one battle, one battle. He has sent me into places to where I have laid my hands on hundreds of people. He has sent me into the jungles to preach to 800 Indians. He has sent me into brothels to help rescue uh, uh, trafficking victims. And every single thing God has ever called me to do was me being like, no, I don't want to do this. I don't want to talk with people. I don't want to pray with people. I don't want to go to the jungle. No, I don't want to risk my life. No, I do. And it's been nothing but a struggle for me. And it's been like this. But I can tell you, whenever I I, I would get to the point and I would not look at my insecurities and I would not look at my selfishness and I would not look at the things that held me back, but I would be like, okay, God, I am absolutely 100% focusing on you. The wind and the waves that tried to bring me down just subsided and I was given a great a direct access to the power to the anointing to the gifts of the Holy Ghost and I can honestly say God has worked through me I've casted out demons I've healed the sick I've saved the lost I've preached to hundreds even thousands of people not because of me I am nothing I am flawed I have issues I struggle every single day of my life but what I also do every single day of my life is I choose not to look at the wind not to look at the waves but I just look at Jesus 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 and he has changed everything everything and he will change everything for any other person in the world that chooses to look at Jesus instead of the wind and the waves I've come too far to decrease. I got blood in the game. I got some broken bones in the game. I got some concussions in the game. I'm too far. I've come too far. Amen? I've come too far to let some sin take me out. I've come too far to let some simple waves take or wind take me out. I've come too far. I ain't going to let the devil cause me to de-level, but I'm going to increase. Amen? 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 Man. Students. You go to camp every summer. You get, you get radical for God. You have this moment in the experience with God. You come back home and there's some struggles. You come back, you go back to school and there's some struggles. Students, where are you at right now? Have you lost the flame that happened two or three months ago? It's time to delight yourself in the Lord, students. Sometimes you're not going to have a camp You're not going to have a conference. You're not going to have a cool worship leader. And you're not going to have a cool preacher to lead you to God. You have to learn. You got to delight yourself in the Lord. And the Bible says when you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. I'm speaking a mature, a mature message to you students. Don't go back to school and lose the flame, but keep the flame, keep the flame burning. Keep the flame burning. Keep the flame burning. We all know when you start a fire, you got to tend to the fire. You got to keep the flame burning. 
Students, keep the flame burning. Get involved in your youth group. Connect with God. Get into the Word. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Have a worship session in your bedroom or if you have a car, in your car. Go to the orchards and connect with God. If it's the football field, go to the middle of the football field when no one's there and walk the 100 yards and pray and praise and connect with God. Whatever it might be. Parents, adults, have you had an experience with God that you've let go? You just let go. You might, some of you might have good reasons. Some of you might have sucky reasons. That's not the point. The point is, have you let go? Have you let go? Have you allowed fear and doubt to control you? And therefore, you have found yourself sinking. Maybe you already sunk, and maybe you're under the water and you can't breathe. You can't breathe in the Spirit of God because you're underwater. I got something I felt like the Lord just kind of smacked me with in, in, in this little context of examples. For some of you, it's not going to apply. For some of you, it is. For some of you, God worked through Pastor Ross. And through Pastor Ross, God led you into a deep place with God. Through Pastor Ross, you found salvation. Through Pastor Ross, you become committed to a church. Through Pastor Ross, you were able to live and walk out a very strong Christian faith. You felt his love. You experienced his guidance as a pastor. And I have to say, I've served under a lot of leaders. Pastor Ross has been the be was the best pastor I ever served under. The epitome of a pastor. A true dynamic shepherd's heart. He knew how to be loving and he knew how to be direct. He knew how to be flexible and he knew how to be controlling. But this is the question I have for you. Have those of you that have been influenced and impacted by his wonderful, powerful ministry, have you dropped the ball? Have you decreased where he helped you increase? And if that's the case, you need to change it around. You need to return. Not to where you started at with him, but you need to return to where he finished off leading, leading you. Are you breathing this morning? I felt last night when I was putting, finishing up my message, I really felt the Holy Spirit just dump that into my heart to say to you. The, the, the last thing, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm 10 minutes over what I was supposed to do. At least, I didn't, at least I'm not lying. I told you before, with Ryan, I, I, I don't shut up. I speak loud, longer than I'm supposed to. Last thing. Just feel blessed that I cut this in half. I was going to give it to you all. So just thank the Lord that he told me to cut it in half. So Peter cried out saying, Lord, save me. This is going to be shorter. Peter realigned his sight and his words. He began to see and declare who Jesus was, the Lord over all and the Lord over what controlled him in his past, the wind. What we see and what we declare is, is our entryway into redemption and salvation. The Bible is very big on confession. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart. And the Bible says you believe in your heart that Jesus rose from the dead and you will be saved. You have not because you ask not, the Bible says. Let the fruit of your lips be a blessing and a praise unto the Lord. We can go on and on about the confessions of a follower of Jesus Christ. And when we confess with our mouth and when we see what we're supposed to see, a pathway is laid out in front of us because we go where our eyes look. Amen? We go where our eyes look. Peter was restored to that new dimension. 
Jesus caught him, and they returned to the boat. How did they return to the boat? Was Jesus pulling him like he was a, like, like he was a ski toy? Come on, Peter. No. The Bible says that immediately, I love that part, immediately Peter reached, or Jesus, excuse me, reached and grabbed Peter and they returned to the boat. Peter sunk, but because he called on Jesus, he was restored to the new, to the new dimension in which he had left. That's for somebody. You might have left a dimension that God has brought you to. But if you will realign your sight and your words back to Jesus, the Lord of all, Jesus will restore you back to the level, back to the place, and back to the dimension that you fell from. Amen. Next week or in two weeks, we're going to talk about some of the things that happened in Peter's life actually after Jesus that was a byproduct of this new dimension. Some very beautiful, powerful things happened in Peter's life because he was restored back to this new dimension. There is some beautiful and powerful things that will happen in your life if you have sunk, but you return back to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Stand to your feet as you would, if you would, please. We got the worship team coming up here. I think, I think we just need to have some time of prayer. A coming back to Jesus time. It could or could not mean, you know, if 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 you've really walked away or fallen away. I don't mean it in that in that context. Just. I think we just need to have some prayer time of us just coming back to Jesus himself, realigning what we see and realigning what we say. So with that being said, if you need to realign your sight and your words back to Jesus, I want to open our front up here. I want to invite you. I just want you to come and kneel and you just have some words with Jesus. You just have some words with Jesus. Just come and have some words with Jesus. You can do that now. You can do that now. You can do that now. No shame. No embarrassment. Nothing weird. Just just do that now. The Bible says that you will be realigned. The Bible teaches that you will be realigned back to the dimension that maybe you have sunk from. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, we just come before you today. Father, we come before you today realigning our hearts. Realigning our thoughts. Realigning what we see, realigning our words, just realigning us, just realigning us, realigning us, realigning us, realigning us, realigning us. Father, meet us in the dimension of our life. Speak to us in a way we hear. Reveal yourself to us in the ways we see. Help us overcome the winds and the waves that has controlled us in our past. Whether they be the wind and waves of demonic activity or the wind and waves of human effort against us, are the wind and waves of ourself. Sometimes we are our worst enemy. 
Lord, enable us to do the impossible in our lives. Enable us to enter into a, a divine, a deep dimension with you. personal format and our own personal way of processing things and understanding things. God, you individually created us. You didn't make puppets. You didn't make cookies cut after one another. But you individually made us in, our, in your image and in your likeness. And your word says that you have a plan, a purpose for us. Father, meet us. Open up. Open up a new dimension for us to enter into so we can talk with you. So we can speak to you when, when life is hell. But not only then. So we can speak to you and hear from you when life is a mountaintop experience. In all the moments and the roller coaster rides of in between. Deep calls to deep. Your waterfalls, your ways has gone over us. Lord, we pant. Lord, we desire you. We desire you. As the deer pan forth or desires the water and the brook. We desire you. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally through this message and continues to encourage you throughout the coming weeks.